0: And one day there will be an end. Amen? Amen? It is good news. It is good news that God has promised us a home over there. It's good news that there is a place of no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no struggles, no night, no temptation, no devil. No, Satan, it will be worth it all. And there is surely coming a day and there surely is a place. But now I've got a question for you. What do you do? Now, have you figured out this ain't heaven? Have you figured out that there is a spiritual war that we've been calling scar wars going on? Have you figured out yet in your life, in reality, that there is an incredibly powerful, omnipotent, omniscient, knowing, omnipresent God, and there is his adversary who's a wimp, spiritually speaking to him, but I'm telling you, God is greater. But have you figured out that Satan likes messing in your life? Have you figured out he likes messing in your stuff? Have you figured out that his desire is to pull you down from what God wants you to have, and that is his ultimate victory. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the fact that God wants us to experience this spiritual victory in our lives, which abundantly, we'll use the word from yesterday, which abundantly sloshes over into the physical realm. In other words, when we have victory in the spiritual, it bleeds over into victory in the physical And God has said, Jesus said in John 10.10, that I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. God wants us to experience victory here. He did it through His Son, Jesus Christ, who has already won the victory for us. The sermon title today is KIA, Killed in Action. and You'll see where that plays in. But then I figured I need to add CIA too, and it does not stand for Central Intelligence Agency. But we are killed in action so Christ can be in action. Killed in action so we can be Christ in action. And to kind of celebrate the message today, I got so fired up about studying how God wanted me to be victorious and how He wanted me to to have the victory on this earth over things, you know, over the things of the world. I decided to turn over a new leaf. I decided that I was going to be healthier. I decided that I was going to give up all this unhealthy food. And I was going to eat better. I I may pick up the... uh, I I may pick up the Daniel plan. And... Would you all excuse me a minute? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen, listen. I'm going to pick
1: up the Daniel plan... Huh? We've been going Now listen, listen now. I'm gonna turn. I know y'all heard me say this before. Probably never (coughs) in front of you. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I'm gonna turn over a leaf. It's in my heart to do the right thing. Oh gosh. They're multiplying. I'm telling you, I'm gonna do the right thing if I have to die, doing it Have you ever felt this way before? Y'all gonna to have to give me a minute. I got way too much donut in my mouth. That did not go according to plan. I was supposed to take a little bite. They really are good. No, I gotta be honest with you. Let me keep going talking. There. I might need some water. <laughs> the truth is, there is no leaf I've turned over. I probably need... Okay, somebody get some water. I'm going... I'm going... I'm going down. <laughs> I'm going down. That heaven thing may become more of a reality than we thought. Oh, there you go. Hey, I don't care. Bring me the water. Bring me the water before I choke, will you? Oh, shoot that thing.
0: <laughs> oh, there we go. I got one of them things in your throat that kind of sticks things up. I just wasn't counting on sticking it up today. There we go. Thank you, Mama T. So there really is no new leaf turnover, but here's the truth. The truth is we have so much. We have this desire in our hearts to do the right thing. We wake up, maybe have our prayer time in the mornings, and we just want to do the right thing. And lo and behold, it's not too long before that becomes very difficult to do. So what we want to do today is take your Bibles and turn to Romans and chapter 7. And we're going to look a little bit there, and then we're going to look at two parts, or four listed, four of what I call victory steps. Um, But we're going to do the first two and let you do the last two on your own. But we want to look at Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now, some of you may not know, but the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Christ-hater. I mean, he was a a Jesus-hater. And uh, he was on the road going to to arrest Christians and have them killed. And he met Jesus, like resurrected Jesus. Had a vision, but it was like the real deal. And... um, He's, you know, Jesus saved him. I mean, changed his life completely and radically. And so he, he who struggled with the law and struggled with doing the right thing met Christ and how Christ changed his life. So that's who Paul is. And Romans chapter 7 is a just a wonderful look at really how we struggle with life ourselves so often. Doing the right thing. We know what the right thing is. We want to do the right thing. We delight in doing the right thing. But we struggle with doing that very right thing. So we're going to look at, and I just need to tell you up front, there's about nine different interpretations of Romans chapter 7. So if, if my interpretation doesn't have up today with yours, that's okay. We'll agree to disagree. If I don't get it out quite right, you understand. Uh, like I say, I struggle with donuts and Romans chapter 7. So, so just so you'll understand. But let's look and see what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 21. And let's see if we can get a grasp and then see some victory steps that we can take. Romans 7, 21. Here's what Paul says. So I find this law at work. So he's going to tell us he sees something working in his life. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Now, does that sound familiar to anybody? I find this law, this principle working in my life. That when I want to do what is right, I find out that right next door to me... Evil is there. And that is so true. The bottom line is, is that in this imperfect world we live in, as believers, as believers, that our new man, that new creation that we are, we want to do what is right. But just like I looked over here and there was a donut, I looked over there was a donut, evil is all around us. And here is the real crazy part. The harder we try... And that's not a good word, I understand, so just hang with me. The harder we try... Say, God, I want to live for you. God, I want to do what is right. The more, it seems like, that principle applies. It would seem the opposite. It would seem seem logical to us that the more carnal we are, the more the law would apply. But it's not true. The more we try to live for Jesus... It seems like that evil around us just beckons and calls us away from that which we want to do. Now, you're going to the current river. And um, I'm assuming because it's named Current River, it has a current. If you're floating down river, which I assume you'll basically... He was telling me how the kids are going to canoe. They go in circles. They don't do canoeing very well. So part of the time, you're going to be flowing with the current. And that won't be hard, will it, Brent? I mean, you'll be sitting there and you'll just be cruising along and going and let the current carry. And it may, not, it may seem fast and it may not depend on how much rain we've had. But when you turn and try to go upstream, whatever current there is, is going to fight you. And you will feel the current stronger, much stronger, when you turn and try to go against it. The same way. I believe, sitting in my, understand my voice today, Obviously are a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ And a lot of us have that nature And we honestly want to do it And sometimes we wake up and we say I want to do what's right And then as we make that turn upstream It seems like the forces Of temptation and evil And all those things Press more and more against us Can I have a witness? I mean this is where we I want you to understand something This is not abnormal This is the world we live in But the question remains, what are we going to do with all of this? And that's the question we hope to find some answers to today. Now, Paul goes a little bit deeper in detail in verse number 22. Here's what he says. For in my inner being... Now, I think most everything I read and I agree with, that inner being is the new man. And then you get the new man when you're born again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things will become new. So when you're born again, there's a new nature that is placed within you. The nature generated by, by God himself. The nature of God. God himself. So it's in us. So this inner nature. we got a couple of scriptures. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, thank you, buddy, the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. So, so Paul says, I've got this inner being, and guess what? I delight in God's law. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. Now, pause and think about that. Isn't that really kind of true? I mean, if you count yourself, I'm, I'm talking believers. You're a believer. If you count yourself not a strong believer, you wrestle. The truth is, in your heart of hearts, if you're a believer, there's that innate desire to do what the Word of God says. You delight in the Word. Of God, We see that illustrated so well in, in Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Listen. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, in the Lord's word. And he meditates on it day and night. So Paul says, in my inner being, I delight in God's word. Now, let that bring some comfort to you. Now, can I be very candid with you? If that delight is not there ever, you really need to examine and find if you've got a relationship or you've got religion. In America, that's a big danger. It's so easy to say, I need to start going to church, and somehow we equate church to a relationship with Christ, and it's not the same. You may say, I need to start habits or stop habits. I need to start doing this and stop doing that. And we equate that to salvation. That that is not any part of salvation. It may be part of the sanctification process, but it's not part of of salvation. Um, Getting baptized in some water is not part of the salvation process. It's part of the sanctification obedience process, but it's not part of salvation. So we've got to make sure we understand that. Okay, that, that when we have that new creation, that new being, there's a delight. If you don't have that delight, it's a real indicator that something may not be right. You know my story, don't you? 21 years in church. 21 years in church. And I was lost. I did everything imaginable in church. And I was lost. So, I, I, I equated somehow, I'll show God I can do it right, to being saved. And that's not true. It's Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's not me and what I've done. So Paul says, I, I see in my inner being, I delight in God's law, verse 23, but I see another law at work. I, I, I have this desire to, to do God's word, to, to obey God's word, and not because I have to, because I really love him. Okay, I've got that desire, but there's another law working Call that the principle of sin. But to help you remember, can we call it something else? Can we call it the principle of the donuts? Can we call it the principle of the donuts? Have you ever noticed... Any of you have ever been on a diet before? Donuts have never looked better than at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when you started a diet on that morning. Can I have a witness? You get up, oatmeal, you know, all healthy and all that... And you go through and you go home and eat your salad for lunch and about two o'clock in the afternoon, you have a carb drop and you're like down here and you're on the willy-billies and you're about to go down and someone says, You want a donut? And honey, I don't care how committed you were at seven, your commitment at two is not much. Donuts never look better about two o'clock in the morning. And here's, we just need to be honest today. Let me tell you something. Most sin has pleasure. You can, you can. yeah, well, sin don't hold any pleasure for me. I, I'm spiritual. No. See, the Bible says, in fact, the Bible says that sin has pleasure for a season. Most sin is pleasurable. If it's food, if it's an addiction to food, food has pleasure. If, if you're an alcoholic, there are times you say, I just want to drink. There was some sense of a pleasure. If it was drugs, you know, you gave up drugs. He said, There's some times when I long for the old life because of what drugs offered. If it's an illicit affair and you're back in your marriage, there's that pull all of a sudden. There's a pull on you to once again step outside the marriage bounds. Sin has pleasure. Unforgiveness? Yeah, the fact that you can control a person and withhold forgiveness, you can try to make their life miserable. There's a certain twisted pleasure in that. Anger. There's a certain twisted pleasure in that. So there's, there's a certain that's why I call it the law of the donut. Sin has a certain amount of pleasure. And when you say in your life, okay, I'm turning a new leaf, I, I delight in God's law. My inner man craves it, and I delight in God's law. But there's another law. It's the principle of the donut. It's the principle of sin. And it pulls us. And pull. Can I have a witness? I want to make sure you get this. I want you to understand, there's something pulling, trying to pull you back into captivity. Okay? He goes this. I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war. There's an assault going on. There's a scar wars going on, waging war against the law of my mind. Now, this is important. Generally speaking, if Satan is going to attack you, for the purpose of pulling you back into captivity. We'll talk about that in just a moment. If he's going to try to enforce the principle of the donut, that sin's pleasure is worth it all, that sin's pleasure is worth disobeying God over, and it's worth the consequences, if he's going to do that, then chances are it's going to attack your mind. Didn't that know exactly what he did with Eve? Did God really say attack, attack, when she when she saw the food the fruit was good for food, and we saw that it's pleasant to the eye? She processed all this information. And you need to be aware of something. It's no accident that God's word encourages us to strengthen our mind. Because this is where Satan wants to attack you and pull you down. I'm telling you, if there's a temptation going on, again, for your marriage or for your integrity or for your character or for your heart, it's all going to start right here. It's no accident what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Listen to these words. I appeal to you. I learned the old King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. He may attack your mind, but he wants to use your body. Again, if sin is pleasurable, if the principle of the donut involves pleasure, a lot of that's going to inflict upon your body, which has the sense of pleasure. This is making sense. If it's drugs, you see that? Alcohol, sexual sin, whatever it might be, even though he may attack your brain... He wants your, your this pleasure that your body will have will be the drawing card. That will feel good. That will be pleasurable. And he'll use your body. So Paul says to present your body a living sacrifice. I said this on a Wednesday night, and I don't think it's original with me. But the thing with living sacrifices is they like to crawl off the altar. That's one of the reasons why this is a constant battle for the believer. Living sacrifices like to call, crawl off the altar. So he says, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, and this is your spiritual worship. Now watch, watch, watch. Don't be conformed to the world. When the donut cries out and says, it will taste so good, it will be worth it. You may die at 59 from a heart attack or 58 from a heart attack, but hey, it's worth it. It's worth it. Okay, when it says that, all right, don't be conformed to this world. Don't listen to what the temptation says. Rather, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. Your mind. By being transformed, by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you, you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable. So it's no accident. Paul knew this. Paul said, if Satan's going to attack your brain, you've got to keep your brain transformed. How do you reckon that happens? Largely by the Word of God. Largely by the Word of God. I cannot get the words right, but we were hoping to get in Robin's service yesterday a devotional she wrote. You know, And, and she, she boiled down talking about, about this, about the temptation, and about the mind. And how important it was that we renew that mind. And she talked about the Word of God. She talked about the Word of God. The more saturated we are with the Word of God, the more likely the principle of the donut will not grab us. The more saturated we are with the Word of God. Listen, (laughs) here's where her words were. I think she said, one or two whiz-bang sermons a week won't do it. Brother, I'm preaching, Brent's preaching, Dave's preaching, little Dave, it doesn't matter. As a believer, if you're going to defeat the principle of the donut, you got to be saturated in the Word of God, and that means a daily time in the Word of God. That's what it means. Some of you are so frustrated. And that's, if you look at Romans chapter 7, that's what you see. Paul's like way saturated with frustration. Oh, wretched man, he's going to say in just a few moments. I I, I do what I don't want to do. We're saturated. And the answer is saturation with the Word of God. So we're waging war against the law of the mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Now, if you've never met Christ, that's where you live. You're a prisoner of sin because you've never experienced God's grace. It's like a dog howls at the moon. Lost people live in lostness. And that's their lives. We get so frustrated with our culture... But by and large, our culture's lost. They're acting like lost folks. I've yet to figure out why we expect... Lost people act like church people. Doesn't even make sense. But we do it. We do it. And he's saying... He's telling us... That if we're lost, that's where we live. But listen... If we've been born again... We don't have to live there anymore. The, the principle of the donut may try to pull me back in captivity. But Jesus Christ died that we could be free of the captivity and the dominion of sin over us. We're going to see if we get there, and we'll try our best to get there, that again, any dominion that sin has in our life is what we grant it. We have full authority and full power not to live under the dominion of sin. But it's pulling... The donuts pull us. You go home. Anybody here on a diet? Okay, good, great. Well, y'all been on it forever. That's not fair. Y'all may actually have a handle on it. But if you ever started like... Yeah, yeah. You, you know you, mama T. Right, just, just walk by. Go ahead and get you a, a, a your favorite donut. Okay? And tomorrow morning, make a commitment not to eat it. Okay? You watch if... There's not. Not only is there the principle of the donut. There's donate donut gravity. Y'all didn't know this, did you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Walk through the kitchen. If the donut's over there, watch how the donut pulls you. Can I have a witness? The donut pulls us. And 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 did you know donut language? As you go by, you've listened, you'll hear, eat me, eat me. Can I have a witness? Sin's the same way. When we don't saturate ourselves with the word of God, and when we make that commitment in early days of saturation, you watch if you don't still feel the pull, the opportunity to the principle of the donut, to the principle of sin. See if you don't hear a voice that says, Go ahead, it won't matter. And the voice may say this. Have you heard this before? The voice may say this. What's the use? You'll just fail again. Ever heard that voice before? I'm telling you. It's trying to pull you back where Christ freed you from. Trying to pull you back where Christ freed you from. And then he says this. What a wretched... Man, I am Who will rescue me From this body Of death What a wretched Man, I am Who will deliver me From this body Of death This body As we see it here The one that pulls us Sometimes to donuts The principle of donuts The sin Because again It senses pleasure This body Will not go to heaven We're going to have a brand new body. And my new body will not be addicted to donuts. We'll have hair, and I will be taller than you. (laughs) You don't know, if you're not tall, how it makes you feel when you walk up to ladies in the church and they're taller than you. It happened this morning. Addison had on heels, and I was standing there going, Yes, Addison. A new body. But right now, we've got this body of death. What well, we do with this body of death? Who's going to free us from the body of death? There's a There was a poet named Virgil and he lived from from 70 to 17 BC. And he wrote about a king Mesotitus. And I'm sure that is not right. And this this is true, I'm fixing to tell you. It's a little gross, but it's true. King Mesotitus would take the captives, the living captives, and then he would go to the battlefield. He would find decaying dead bodies. He would strap the two bodies together, living and decaying, decomposing, dead, face to face, hand to hand. And that person tied with this body would live that body with the stench of death, until finally the disease took his own body and the living person died. The poem goes like this part of it The living and the dead, at his command, were coupled face to face and hand to hand, till choked with stench and loathed embraces tied, the lingering wrenches pined away and died. Can you even imagine the stench of death face to face, hand to hand? Notice the term the poet used. There's a very good possibility that Paul was familiar with this writer and this poem. And can you imagine when Paul said, What a wretched man I am? He imagined himself pinned face to face with an old dead body, the body, his body of the flesh, and his new nature. Who? will deliver me from this wretched body. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul figured out that if he was going to have victory over the principle of the donuts, again, so you won't lose what I'm trying to say, the principle of sin, that that power of sin, that was pulling him and luring him back into captivity of sin, the only way he was going to have victory over this was not Thomas the Train theology, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. The only victory is the victory of Jesus Christ already won on the cross and given to every believer. Do you understand that? I'm telling you, it's life-changing. Oh, I wish I could tell you I've mastered this so perfectly, but I have not. But I'm understanding the principle and the application that I can't be victorious in this Christian life. Jesus paid for it. He empowers and lives within me through His Holy Spirit. And He is my victory. The only way to overcome that stenching, decaying body of the flesh is the power of Jesus Christ. Hugely, hugely important. I'm hoping you're starting to understand the struggle that you have. I'd like I There are like five interpretations of Romans 7. All I know is this. That it's true that there's a principle of the donut. There's a principle of sin. And my heart's desire, your heart's desire is to delight yourself in God. Delight yourself in the Word. And this thing pulls at you and pulls at you and pulls at you. And right when you think you got it licked, you find yourself doing the very thing you thought you would not. That's what Romans 7 is all about. O oh, wretched man I am, who will deliver me? And the answer is... Is Jesus Christ. In fact, the word here in this NIV is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not going to church. Not principles. Not disciplines. Through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer to our victory. Because he won the victory. Now, not on your sermon sheet. But on my scripture sheet. Should have put it on there and didn't. Is Romans chapter 8. The commentary said that sometimes you understand that the Bible was not written with with verses or chapters. That that was done much later. And sometimes the chapter breaker didn't do a very good job. And this is one of those times. Seven and eight should have never been separated. Should have never been separated. Because after he says, let me read it again, verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says, Therefore... Because of that, there is no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. You've got to understand this. Because of Christ, there is no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. We all love the story where the woman was taken in adultery and Jesus said, if you got no sin, cast the first stone. And, and it heard rocks dropping. And Jesus says, Woman, where are your accusers? Who accuses you? Who condemns you? And she said, No man, Lord. And then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, because of Him becoming sin, that we could become the righteous of Christ, because of the free invitation for every man, woman, and child, regardless of skin color or gender, to come into the family of God through the cross, to turn from our sin and follow Jesus, turning from our sin to follow Jesus. Because of that, there's no condemnation. Let me tell you why that's important. You want to know why that's important? Because that voice that says, you know you're not going to succeed. You failed 300 times before this. There is no sense. Is someone living here today in this? There's no sense trying because you're just going to fail. And then that translates in that same voice. Then all of a sudden, you transfer that to the Father in Heaven, and you think Father in Heaven's going, that's right. You're nothing but a failure. That's all you were. That's all you ever will be. And when you take your last breath, you'll still be a failure. Lie, 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 lie. It's just a stinking lie. Listen, no condemnation. How much? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because... The Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Let me read it again. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. You are free. Someone say free. Free. I'm telling you, it's true. It's truth. We have been set free through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, now real quickly, let's look at two practical truths. Again, I, personally, I'm not sure I fully understand, okay, all that I'm fixing to tell you, how it all works. I'm sure there's some great theologians who can put it down out there for us all to see, but I think I got enough to give you some practical information. Look at with me at Galatians chapter two verse 20. These are what I call my victory steps, Galatians 2 and chapter 20. Galatians 2 and chapter 20. Here Paul says this. I have been crucified with Christ. Now there are all kind of implications with that. I mean, a lot. First off, I want you to know something. In the Greek... The verbs that are used in verse 20 are the perfect tense. And basically that means this, that something that happened in the past is affecting my present. Something that happened in the past is affecting my presence. And when it says, I have been crucified with Christ, the day you said yes to Jesus and no to sin... The day you believed, turned from your sin, and chose to follow Christ, that became reality in your life. You were crucified with Christ. He took your place on the cross, okay? But the crucifixion, you died to yourself and started living to Christ Jesus. It's a past thing, and mine was October 26, 1975. That now is my past, but it's impacting who I am today. So Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. I have died to self and now Christ lives in me. Look what he says. Is no longer who I, I'm sorry, is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My victory is not based on my ability to say yes or no. My victory is not based on my ability to say yes or no to the principle of the donuts, to the principle of sin. It's what Christ has already done. It is not an external force. It's an internal force. Can I say it again? It's not an external force. It's an internal force. See, that's what what lost culture does. You know, if, if you do something wrong and you break the law, you get your hand slapped, you pay a fine, you spend time in prison, which is supposed to rehabilitate you, and hopefully in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you'll come out a different person. Generally speaking, does that work? That would be a no. That would be a no. We want to apply that to the church, to ourselves. So if, that, if we say yes to, to the sinful nature in our lives... Then maybe if I go to church more, maybe if I read the Bible more, maybe if I do, maybe if I do, maybe if I do, maybe I do. Do doesn't work, done does. Do does not work, done does. It's trusting Christ. It's Christ in you. I know it's mystical. I know it's magical. I know it's wonderful. But the truth is, when I got saved, the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of me, and His power, His strength, His counsel, His conviction is mine. And that is how the victory is played out in our lives. So, so he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by how? By faith. We, we forget this. We forget this. We want a program. We want a principle. We want something, okay, like a fix. We don't want a fix. No, no. No, he says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In who? What kind of faith? Faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Tell you what, we better burn in our hearts. If I was into tattoos, this one would be on my arm. God is for me. I would put it maybe right here. So every time I looked at my watch, I'd see God is for me. Because I sure know this, the adversary is against me. And I'm more sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes I'm more aware that the adversary is against me than I am that God is for me. Sometimes my twisted thinking keeps me very aware that the adversary is against me and I can't win, I can't win, I can't win. And I forget a very important truth that God is for me. And He is, folks. He is. I'm very glad. I love that Psalm 37, 23, and 24. That, and it says there in the middle that if I fall down, if I stumble, if I fall, I will not be utterly cast down because He picks me up with His hand. I'm glad for that. If I stumble and fall, He picks me up. But He gives me the power not to fall in the first place. It's powerful, folks. We've got, listen, as believers, as believers, as believers, as believers, We've got, I don't want to use the word deeper. I don't like that word deeper. Let's go deeper. But I'm telling you, we've got to go beyond this surface relationship we have where one, two, or three times. Listen, listen, you could go to church three times a week. You could go Sunday morning. You could go Sunday night and Wednesday night. But if you don't like the word, let the Word of God get in you, it's not going to change you. Don't you dare base your spirituality on how many times you go to church. Believe me, there's no basis for that. We've got to let the word of God get in us, permanent. And that's what changes us. And that's what empowers us. So he says, by this faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we've got to understand we're KIA. We're killed in action. When we received Christ, we were crucified with Christ. We died to self. When we die to self, that frees Christ in action. The more dead we are to self, the more alive Christ is in us. Amen? Does that make a little bit of sense? You know, again, if you're anybody here a lifeguard? Well, I'm not. I, who, who, who was? Who was? Go, Isaiah, dude. Okay, do they still teach you this, Isaiah? Do they teach you um, that when you see a struggling person, that you have to let them struggle until they quit so you can save them. They still teach? He does, they said they do. If you go out there and that guy's struggling, if you try to reach in and grab him and save him, he's gonna pull you under. You've got to let the person struggle until the point where they give up so you can save. So you can save. I'm telling you, it's time we surrender. It's time. What's Psalm 46 10 say? You know, be still, stop striving. Stop striving. Stop the struggle. And my translation, let me be God. Let me be God. And We won't get to the verse. And it's not exactly right, but it's close. The bottom line is this. If religion could have changed you and saved you, then Christ would have died in vain. If, if starting and stopping habits could save you, then Christ died in vain. They sometimes say, "If you married a person exactly like you, then one of you is not necessary." <laughs> and if you think you're the savior of the world, then you don't need a savior of the world. If you think, you "Whoohoo!" If you think you can save yourself, you don't need the true savior. Well, you need him. You just don't know you need him. So today, I'm telling you, I know us. I know me. I God first. But I know we want victory over the donuts. Some of you are so frustrated because you've told God a zillion times, God, I'm so sorry, I did it again. And Satan whispers and says, yeah, you'll do it again tomorrow too. Who are we going to believe? The liar or the truth speaker? The liar or the truth speaker? So understand. Yeah, in this, in this life, even the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul wrestled in Romans chapter 7. He wasn't perfect. He wrestled with it. So understand we're going to wrestle with this. But we do not have to be defeated because the victory is ours. And the victory is in... Yeah, there are some things. Yeah, yeah, you can get saturated with the Word of God. And by that, I mean, let it infuse who you are. Infuse who you are. Become a part of who you are. That's a big step. You can spend time with the Father in prayer. That's a big step. And yes, you know what? There's value when you come and say, Okay, God, I need you. Feed me today. There's value in gathering in corporate worship in the teaching of God. There's value in that. But the bottom line is, it's through our surrender that Christ's, Victory is live out in us. In that closet, Brent, is that big old white flag. You remember that time we had Surrender Series? And we ran back and forth with that flag. And I still say the greatest thing we can do is, God, I can't do it. It's got to be you. Would you bow your heads, please? I guess and I suppose that if everything we wrestled with was as innocent as a donut then we probably would go, well, you know. But sin has such horrible consequences. You know that. If you're breathing today, you figured out, you not even be a believer and you know this, sin has consequences. And if you're a believer today, there's part of you probably that's just longing for the victory. Well, it's yours. It's in your pocket. It's who you are as a believer. And today, if you've never experienced first Jesus Christ as Savior, I would love to tell you, Brent will be down front, but we would love to share with you about Jesus. Not joining the church, not being a Baptist, not starting habits and stopping habits. The freedom and peace and power of Jesus Christ. Come, Come, let's answer your questions, or at least try to. If we don't know the answer, we'll tell you. We'll tell you. Secondly, this, and most of us today are believers. Wouldn't you like to be able to beat the donuts for once? Wouldn't you like to beat the donuts for once? Well, guess what? In Christ, you can. In Christ, you can. Trust Him to be your victory. You trust Him to be your Savior. Trust Him to be the victory that He's already won. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing your word today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name first for the individual here today who may have never met you, Jesus. And they've tried church and they've tried different things of stopping and starting and doing this and doing that and God is not within us or them to be victorious in that. Jesus you are the savior of the world and you have died that every man, woman, and child could be forgiven. Help us Lord as you call us and pull us Jesus to yourself pray Father for your victory over sin initially and salvation. Then Father for my brothers and sisters and for me And for me, I pray, God, that this life that you called us to, this victorious life, Father, would be lived out in us by your power and by your grace. And then we're looking forward to that day, as Mama T sang about, where there'll be no sickness, there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no pain, there'll be no death. But until then, may we live in the victory that you called us to. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.